Hey, everybody! It is Yasser! I forgot my line. I'm just kidding. It's Isaiah! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are from my brother Sneaker, and we've got a little announcement. We are teaming up with a podcast app called Spoke to give you three exclusive uh, episodes. Uh, Spoke is a new audio platform made by SiriusXM that creates podcast playlists to help you find new shows to listen to. The Spoke team handpicks the best moment from a ton of podcasts and creates playlist clips from a bunch of shows. And you can just search and try them out and find anything that you love. For instance... Oh, yeah. There's a playlist on there uh, called Slice of Life, which is all about like crazy and incredible things that happen to everyday people. Like, I just learned this, bro. I just learned some people pay their bills on time, dog. Oh, is that a thing? Dog, people will have a bill due date, and they will pay that bill before then. That's crazy to me. Before then. You know what else is crazy? What? Spook also has a, a lot of fun, exclusive content from Feral Audio. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, like our tournament episodes are going to be, oh, like, yeah. you know, there's going to be stuff like Sleep With Me, a lot of our, our other great shows here at Feral. You don't want to miss it. Yep. Download Spoke now. It's free in the App Store or on Google Play. And be sure to check out all of my brother's sneakers exclusive Spoke episodes at hearspoke.com slash my brother's sneakers. Model boys, cute boys, round butt boys all day. Guys, finding quality denim jeans is tough. And to find a good pair without breaking the bank is just uh, almost impossible. But at Distilled, spelled D-S-T-L-D, you get like brand top quality jeans at a price that won't break your bank. And I know I said break the bank, but I like saying break the bank. And I'll say it again, break the bank. But just go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D.com right now and use the promo code FERAL and check out and get it. I 20% discount on your first pair. And these are great jeans. I love them. I wear them all the time. Heck, I sleep in them. Distilled jeans. They're the best jean you're ever going to wear. In fact, I shower in them. Distilled jeans. D-S-T-L-D. They're good quality, super duper denim. And, you know, it's not going to cost you like $200 or $100. Go to distilled.com. D-S-T-L-D.com. Do it. Get some jeans. Look cool. Feral Audio. Hello, and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. Uh, If you like my theme music there, that's a band called Les Blanks. And uh, so support them. If I seem less enthusiastic just in this opening uh, <laughs> saying the name of my show, it's because this is my seventh attempt at doing it. Because uh, I'm just all over the place with what's upsetting me. But before I get into what's upsetting me, I just want to say today's guest really lightened my mood. Uh, I, I mean, we talked about heavy things, but he's, it was a great conversation. It made me feel good about doing this show. His name is Sean Richmond, and he is a campaign consultant, and he uh, writes about labor issues for In These Times and Jacobin, and he's a great writer, and he was a great guest, and I can't wait for you to hear this conversation with him, because if you're concerned about labor and wages, and he helps shed some light and wisdom on these things that concern me, and you know, as I say in the interview, I'm an Irish kid from Chicago, so you know, it's in my blood union stuff i've belonged to five in my lifetime <laughs> i think uh I've grocery store actors equity sag oh i'm wga eligible anyway you didn't need to i'm just saying hey i've belonged to a lot more unions than the average person so i guess that makes me really cool um the muslim ban uh happened over the weekend and um it's just hard not to, I mean, we have crossed the threshold and we are, Bannon, I will. I would say Trump, but I really think Bannon is the man behind everything. I feel like they are, they are rushing towards fascism. And I know that sounds dramatic, but I mean, it is, uh, barring people from entering this country with green cards is a dark time and exclusively, uh, an entire religion. I mean, we've done this in 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 history before, and it's uh, didn't work out so good. Um, 
And I just, I don't know why there's not more. I mean, it's great that the people came out and protested. Um, and that's been really encouraging. And Sean and I talk about that a little bit. And uh, he, that's what helped lift my mood a lot. But uh, I feel like our politicians are being extremely passive. I know some have spoken up. I just mean in general. I feel like with Trump and Bannon, they're just laying down. And I feel like if they don't take action soon or speak up soon, uh, you know, darkness, more darkness may be coming at us because it's it's not it's moving quickly. And you hear that about um, countries often they say that about the turn from democracy to a authoritarian state that you hear from I've heard read this from citizens of these countries saying it happened quick and swift and it was done before you knew it and that sure seems the way it's going uh i do want to point out uh, uh that during the strike where or the protest at uh, jfk uh, all the cab drivers and sean and i talk about this they they boycotted and protested and didn't go and pick up people lift uh, I'll say this Uber Uber tried to sweep in and get those fares they lowered their surge charge and they tried to get that business they also uh, supported the uh, inauguration I think they offered cars or some bullshit like that um, Lyft donated one million dollars to the ACLU so the next time you're out there uh, drinking uh, or need a, your car breaks down and you got to take an Uber or a Lyft, choose Lyft because they support human rights. Uber doesn't give a fuck. And I think that should be Lyft's slogan. <laughs> what do you think of that? I really, really wanted to uh, rant and rave about a lot of things, but uh, quite honestly, I just didn't sleep all weekend. I didn't sleep all week. Uh, you throw in a baby combo of uh, crying in the middle of the night and then your mind starts thinking about how the world is going down the toilet uh, keeps you up at night. But uh, the good news is that I talk with Sean Richmond and his energy, he's a very positive and energetic and enthusiastic man about uh, what is going on in the world, especially with labor rights. And this is a really inspiring conversation. So please enjoy. Us both having one-year-old daughters, I think the, the bullshit going on in the world uh, might en enrage us a little bit more. <laughs> uh, you know, I, absolutely. I got to say, like, the, the, the day after Election Day, like, I felt it, you know, like, I mean, you know, I mean, um, I'm, a, I'm a New Yorker, a lifelong New Yorker, you know, 9-11, uh, the day after George Bush got reelected, those were bad days. But like something about having a kid just made the day after this past election day feel worse, you know, and so much scarier. I've said this on, on the podcast before, but for I used to hold my daughter with pure joy. And ever since November 8th, uh, it's just been uh, there's always a twinge of or not even a twinge. It's sad and there's pain. And I was I was dancing with my daughter in the living room an hour ago and. There is a moment where I was lost the joy and just thought, fuck, <laughs> it's like yeah. we're, we're in sh a shithole time. Yeah. Um, and I, I, of course, I, I brought you on here to talk about um, labor rights and all that. But it, 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 it it's almost hard not to talk about what has happened over this weekend with um, the Muslim ban and what Trump is doing. And I'm just curious just how you're feeling or and what thoughts you have about what just occurred over the weekend um i i am um i'm heartened and encouraged um by what happened over the weekend you know um i was at a book event yesterday afternoon um for steve early's new book refinery town which i reviewed recently and um you know it was sponsored by democratic socialists of america and labor notes and jacobin um and it was at a bar in brooklyn that um they had to move to a, another bar 
for the place they originally scheduled, they were getting so many RSVPs. They got a, sp- a space where I think, you know, I, I think the room was meant to hold about 50, and I think they had twice as much uh, people showing up for that. And, you know, and then half the people, when the event was over at, at 5 o'clock, you know, uh, carpooled out to JFK to join the, the protest that started rolling, you know, while we were there, you know, having a conversation about how you keep making progress on, you know, at a local level, you know, um, at, at this time. Um, and so I, you know, I have a lot of um, friends who are out there. I, I, I have a sense of what went into, um, into organizing that. Um, but, you know, so many of the people that join them, right? I mean, my friends can, you know, on short notice get, you know, 100, maybe 200 people out to the airport for something like that, right? So that's, that's what started. And then people just kept coming. You know, like the, the 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 flag was planted. There was a way that you could go and be, you know, uh, uh, helpful. You know, and 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 signal your, uh, you know, your opposition to this and be on the right side of history. And and so thousands more people uh, uh, joined them. So that's good. Um, I think the other thing that's encouraging about it, uh, and um, Corey Robin um, just wrote this in a in a piece that went up on on Jacobin, um, you know uh, that that he says that he, you know he still has doubts about whether Trump is actually you know actually qualifies as fascism, but if it is, it's some of the laziest, dumbest fascism ever, you know, <laughs> because. Oh, because what you're supposed to do is is subdue your opponents first before you you know do your most outrageous stuff. He's going straight for the outrageous stuff, and it's galvanizing a kind of political opposition, you know, feet in the street, in a way that we haven't seen for half a century in this country. Um, so the fact that the or, that the opposition is coming together so quickly is 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 the encouraging part of all this. Now, not to play the paranoid and. And it's funny because in this era that we're in, I said to a friend of mine, it's like, because I have, I, I theorize where things are going just because that's who I am. I'm like, oh, if A and B and C happen, we're here. And my friend Mm -hmm. was like, and I was like, I don't, I apologize. I said, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but he's like, we live in the times we're living in a conspiracy theory. And I'm like, so that being said, like I, my biggest fear is like a Reichstag fire or even a terrorist attack or something that gives them the the fear they need to grab more power does that does has and that, i'm not the only person that this has entered into their head does that cross your mind at all or does that it, it, it does, and when we could easily start trading off, you know, um, uh, uh, conspiratorial <laughs> fears, and I and I and I do this with with my best friend a lot on the phone because you know we we you know we're both you know have been union organizers and and are, are folks of the left and and you know, um, and, and and you know we also sort of deeply think about things that I don't think a lot of other people do, which is like how the government actually operates and how politics actually works, and and yeah you know, we are. We, it, we are definitely in a period here where the old rules no longer apply. And so that is, that is as exciting as it is terrifying. Because, you know, like everything where you're told, well, that just could never happen in America, you know, or, you know, this is just the way that it is, you know, it, it, it's all out the window. It's all totally out the window. Uh, my biggest fear, actually, is, 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 is a little bit uh, 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 different. Uh, my biggest fear is that, you know, Trump so outrages the sort of the permanent State Department, you know, the deep state, the CIA and all them, that, you know, I mean, I, my biggest fear is that is that the, the Department of Defense, the FBI, the CIA, I'm not sure who, maybe all, all of them say, you know, that's it. We found the evidence that he was directly colluding with Putin. We've arrested him. Congress, it's up to you if you want to impeach him or not, but <laughs> we're not going to allow him back in the Oval Office. And maybe he gets impeached and, you know, Pence becomes the president and, it, you know, it's a smooth transition of power, blah, blah, blah. And people would cheer it because, you know, we don't have this maniac in, in the Oval Office anymore. And people wouldn't recognize it for what it is, which is a coup. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's that's cross. So that scares me much more. Like losing losing your demo, your your democracy and knowing it and fighting it and even losing you know losing the fight. That's a hell of a lot better than not even knowing what you lost. Yeah, that's a great point. 
And I also, th- I just, uh, Pence has got a, he's like the new Ford. I mean, that Trump's stink is going to be all over him. There's nothing he could, he's unelectable one, if the shit goes down that in any form, right? I mean, don't you think? I mean, yeah, the, you know, the, the, the rules don't apply. Never say never. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, if Trump goes sooner rather than later, you know, I mean, if, 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 his, if his poll numbers start tanking the congressional Republicans where they start fearing for their own jobs and they decide, screw it, we're just going to impeach the guy, and they do that within the first two years, you know, um, or, you know, do, 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 does Pence get, you know, uh, does, he get a, does the public give him a honeymoon period, you know? Um, so to a certain extent, like letting a little bit of time go by so that he does get the stink on him. I don't think, he, I don't think to the average American he has the stink on him yet. And then, you know, I mean, winning depends on, you know, having the right candidates, you know, um, winning depends on, on, you know, campaigning on, on winning issues, you know, um, and, and, you know, there's, there's obviously a fight for, for the soul of the Democratic Party, but who knows how that's going to turn out, you know. Um, the midterm election should be, you know, a real punishment, a real rebuke of, of the Republicans. But you need the right candidates. You need the right central message. You know, um, you need to do a lot of things that, that the Democratic Party establishment. But I, I mean, like the DNC, you know, the DNC put aside like um, uh, 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 you know, uh, 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 critiques of, of you know neoliberalism or this and that. Uh, the DNC sort of has been so overly focused on like the presidency and the Senate that like to be able to run enough you know uh, opposition campaigns in House districts with the potential of winning is is not something that's really you know that 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 folks there quite know how to do at the moment and and you know they don't have a lot of time to to um scale up for that yeah i'm really shocked that they didn't pick up on this sooner that the i mean since like reagan is the christian right has been grassrooting the is that the way you say it, grassrooting? But they've had a grassroots campaign to get people in local offices, and they started, you know, and, and it's like, they. I, I can't believe I saw this coming, and I don't, I'm not a big brain, like, <laughs> I'm not in a think tank. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think a lot of what happened, you know, a lot of what passed for this kind of stuff is like that daily cause, you know, move on kind of, you know, Bush era push to get, you know, um, to flip, you know, the, these these districts where, you know, you know, these sort of blue dog Democrat wins, so that you get enough votes that you you maybe control the House, but you got you've got a Democrat in name only. You know, the, the sort of the longer term work of of changing minds, you know, is, is not being done. I mean, look, I I'm um, sitting in, in my office, my home office in Staten Island, uh, which is New York's District 11. Um, this county has the last time I checked this county has the um, highest uh, per capita union household membership rate of any county in America and we're in you know one of the you know uh, uh, the most progressive city in, in America arguably you know New York City we're one of the five boroughs and the Democrats have held this district for one term um, this guy got in on Obama's coattails in the 08 election. Um, he um, uh, uh, voted. Let's see, what did he? He, he? he did not vote for the Affordable Care Act, out of cowardice, really. Um, and then he, you know, he 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 got killed in the you know in the in the Tea Party wave. Um, got got voted out by a guy who you know has since gone to jail. A Republican who's since gone to jail. Um, there's a new Republican sitting in that seat. Um, the Democrats, when they did put up candidates here, when they you know when they've actually run, they they run complete bozos. You know, they ran some um, hack city councilman from from the Brooklyn end of our district. Our district is this this entire island and like this little sliver of of Brooklyn, sort of this, you know, uh, the neighborhoods of uh, Bay Ridge and and a couple around there. Slightly more conservative areas of Brooklyn, although some of the more liberal areas of of our district. Um, So basically this hack Brooklyn city councilman that the Brooklyn machine was like, we're not going to give you a promotion to anything here. Go make a go of it in Staten Island. And he ran such a you know he he was such a 
lousy candidate, so inarticulate and 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 just didn't know the issues that even the Daily Show made fun of him and and you know. And that was, and that was with like you know millions of dollars behind him in that race. Now they've given it up. The last guy who ran, you know, ran himself. You know, I, I, if if he raised twenty thousand dollars, I'd be amazed. You know, and he ran, I think he, he raised just enough money to get some lawn signs, and and you know he got he got slaughtered. So you know, uh, this is this is. Well, it's a long-winded way of saying this is this should be a totally, totally, totally winnable uh, district with the right candidate and the right campaign, and 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 you know it's got to be, you know, uh, a, a, a campaign and a, and a candidacy that focuses on on jobs and on wages and on on you know rents and 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 and, and home affordability. Um, you know, it's got to be a candidate that runs, I think, a Bernie Sanders-style campaign. Bernie actually did really well in the primary, um, in my neighborhood at least. Salon's a complicated place. There's a highway that runs through it that's sort of like the Mason-Dixon line. So <laughs> below the Staten Island Expressway, you know, it, it's a different world. But but um, here on the North Shore, you know, like like my neighbors are union electricians. They're firefighters. You know, they're folks who, you know, uh, uh, make good money, you know, doing baggage handling at Newark Airport. Um, you know, well, some of those people did vote for Trump, but, you know, uh, 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 they're, they're they can be won over if if there was a candidate that actually spoke to them. Those people that would have voted for Bernie and and did vote for him in the primary, but then you know too many of them, you know, either didn't vote or or you know um, didn't vote for Hillary. Certainly. Yeah, it's interesting because you brought up Bernie, and uh, this was a point I was wanting to make later, but it doesn't really matter. Is that you know it seemed months ago even that there was there was a stronger labor movement going on that it was people were talking about it again and talking about unions and and being more of a socialistic society and i i i feel like that this has become a huge the trump being elected has become a huge roadblock for all of that uh, all of that progress do you do you agree with that or do you think that the fight is going to keep moving forward uh, it's both. I mean, the fight's going to keep moving forward, and this is a tremendous setback. Um, and, and this is this. I mean, it really speaks to sort of the state of uh, politics uh, uh, in our country right now, and, and just how, um, how how the moment has so much possibility and so much you know potential peril. You know, like I mean, first of all, you know, I mean, the Republicans got fewer votes than the Democrats at all levels. Right. I mean, they won because of, of, of a gerrymandered system. They won because we still have the Electoral College for some stupid reason. You know, um, uh, 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 so so the people are not with them. Hey, I mean, I think that's a really important point to keep pointing out. Um, had Hillary won, had she carried the Senate, you know, um, then, you know, there, there would have been a continuing left opposition to her, pressing for more, pressing for the $15 minimum wage. You know, uh, 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 I, I think another four years of, of Democratic court appointments would have been tremendous in terms of, of an opportunity to um, to turn back some of the, the worst aspects of labor law that actually prevent unions from, from, from growing or having power. Um, and that was sort of a project that I was working on, you know, fully, fully anticipating uh, 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 a, a, a third consecutive term of Democratic appointment making to the courts. Um, and now, you know, we uh, uh, unions are going to get smashed in a lot of ways. Um, and 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 that's just going to happen um, because so much of um, union rights are are within you know controlled by the government and now controlled by people who absolutely uh, hate us. Um, but you're right also that that you know there is still you know there more and more people want to be in a union. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the employers have tremendous powers at their disposal to resist it. Uh, the laws are kind of crappy on this so, so that the unionization rate does not reflect the percentage of people that want to be in a union. But more people want to be in a union. More people want unions to, 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 to fight for more uh, for everybody. Um, and that, that's not going to change. But we're going to get clobbered for a while. Um, so, you know. Um, I, I, I think it will affect 
um, what unions wind up looking like, how unions fight, and how workers who are not in unions um, uh, uh, band together and, 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 and get to act more like a union, you know? Do you think we'll have, because I feel like there will be another labor movement in the near future, along the lines of the, you know, the old school, not, <clears throat> excuse me, not like a haymarket riot, but, you know, people will be walking out on their jobs again in mass to to resist this, you know, shit like Walmart and whatnot. <laughs> Sorry, I wish that was a little bit more articulate, but do you understand what the point I'm trying to make? Yeah, I mean, I, I I do a lot of thinking about that and a lot of writing about that, and and it needs to happen. But it's one of those things that that is um, easier said than done, unfortunately. And one of the real um, one of the real barriers to that is that it is very difficult for the presently existing unions to strike. And because, um, you know, they're, they're, we don't have meaningful uh, uh, protection of, of people who go out on strike for economic reasons, right? They can be replaced. We've seen plenty of, of strikers get permanently replaced through the 80s and the 90s. And, and, and what it's done is it, it's created a chilling effect where strikes don't happen as much uh, as, as they used to. Although there's statistics that are about to come out for the year 2016 that I think is going to show that 2016 is yet another year, like three out of the last four years, where where there was a there was an increase in in the number of of um, of productive working hours lost to strikes um, in industry. Um, so striking is beginning to increase, but but it's 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 such a it's such a chicken in the egg problem because how do workers who don't have a union start striking if they don't see, uh, or if they do have a union, how, how do you how do you get the idea to go on strike if you don't see an example of a union going out on strike and winning? You know, like it, it needs to start somewhere. Now the Verizon strike was, you know, uh, uh, hugely helpful, hugely important because that was a win. It was a solid win. Everybody saw it, and that was a union. You know, in a contract negotiation, showing real leadership with a plan to win and, and walking out. The fight for 15 strikes, which are, you know, uh, uh, you know, they're, 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 those aren't strikes that are designed to, you know, everyone out, you know, one day longer, one day stronger, and we stay out until we win. Um, but they're still exercises of worker power. People are seeing them. You know, I think that they that helps to sort of put. The, the, the put that thought in people's minds that, you know, your power does come from the work that you do and your occasional refusal to do it. Is but that, I think we, we need to get we need to get to a point where where people are thinking about uh, withholding their labor, not just over money, you know, um, and I, see, I, I have heard uh, stories of when the when the fight for 15 strikes first started, that there were occasionally activists who the next day when they showed up for work were, you know, were told, look, you didn't come in yesterday, you can't come in today. And that there were these sort of aftershock strikes where their coworkers said, look, if, you know, if she's not walking in, none of us are walking in. Um, now, I, 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 you know, I heard this in like a like a sort of a workshop of organizers, and I wasn't like a I wasn't writing or publishing at the time, and it was sort of one of these like don't tell anybody kind of things. So when I did start writing and I wanted to actually get this story, I, I called around, and and you know, officially it just never happened. Nobody wants to talk about it. I think because that they're they're worried about. Um, well, you, you know, the, the idea of somebody getting fired for striking could, could you know, uh, uh, put a chill on, on these strikes. So they don't want to talk about that. But I think there's real power in that notion, you know, that, that if these strikes start you know, start happening for other reasons than, other than just we're going to put pressure on the company because we need $15 an hour and a union, you know, think about, like, you know, if you've got somebody, you know, uh, who's a, who's a working mother who, you know, needs to go to a PTA conference for her kid and, you know, the manager changes the schedule and schedules her to work on the day that the PTA conferences are happening, you know, and, and, and imagine if the, if the workers just like turned off the fry machine and turned off the cash registers for a couple of minutes and said, no, you know, we're not going to work unless you give her, you know, that time that she asked, uh, asked off for. Uh, I mean, I, I, 
that could happen, right? And all it takes is for the workers to take the notion, right? I mean, a McDonald's store is barely organized chaos on a good day. <laughs> right? Like, all it takes is a couple of people in the store to go like, no, screw this, you know? She, she, she was scheduled off, you know, just because you don't know how to run the store and, and now you gotta, you gotta mess with her schedule it doesn't mean that she shouldn't be able to, you know, attend her PTA, you know, her, her, her teacher, parent-teacher conference, you know, and, and they would win in that moment, right? And like, it'd be over in that moment, right? But, but they'd all come away feeling a bit stronger. That's, that's what we gotta get to, right? I mean, that's, Sort of, there there are these like apocryphal stories of the, um, you know, of the old sit-down strikes. You know, um, now, I think most of the the, the sit-down strikes were were planned and coordinated, and and they were you know union efforts. But there's also these stories that as they were going, and people were seeing that's the way to win. That unions were union offices were getting these phone calls from people saying like, all right, we need a union. You, can you come down here and 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 you know bring you know, bring union cards. We, we, we need some help. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the, the union organizers would be like, okay, well, you know, let's, let's schedule, you know, I've, I've got some time on Tuesday, you know, cause I'm dealing with all these other groups that are organized. And they're like, yeah, but we're sitting down now. We've, we've locked the boss out. We need somebody to come and tell us what to do next. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, uh, uh, you know, and that's, that's that golden era that, that we like to look back on that, that, you know, you and I are both hoping we can find a way back to. It's not obvious how to get to that, but I, I do think that as, as we're, um, as, um, labor activists, as union organizers, as we're sort of planning what we are doing now, we, we do need to have as a, a consistent through line, as a consistent thought, is what we're doing something that, that could inspire a worker to take an action like that right is it because i grew up in a, a heavy i'm a you know i'm a blue collar kid from chicago so clearly i have it's like i grew up with unions my brother was a union organizer he had death threats on top of it you know for <clears throat> kicking people off of job sites and it's always been you know something almost holy for me is like why the fuck wouldn't you want a union like that's infuriating to me but i've you've noticed over the past couple decades that unions have been vilified and people are like, there's always the argument of like, well, unions are corrupt too, which is always absurd to me because I'm like, well, who do you want fighting for your, your wage increase, the union or the fucking schmuck at the head, head of the corporation? It's like, it's not good. And do you have any idea how that sort of all that, uh, the vilifying of unions began? Um, it, 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 it's, it's, Existed through American history. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, no, I mean, I, seriously, like, like you know, we, we there are people who will talk about you know the ni- 1950s and the 1960s, the sort of you know the, this era of labor management cooperation, and everybody was in a union, and unions were respected, and that's a fairy tale. Uh, it, it, that, that era really didn't exist. Now, there are people who were proud union members, just like there are people who are proud union members now. There was a recognition of the power of, uh, uh, of unions, and there was, in a lot of workplaces, uh, in a, at a lot of employers, a sort of acquiescence to, well, I guess there's a union, so we'll learn to live with it. But that's not the same as, you know... Um, as 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 you know unions being treated by everybody as you know sort of god mom and apple pie um uh, uh and then there's new scholarship uh, uh coming out these days uh a good example there's this book uh, uh conservative counter revolution um that's about uh milwaukee in the 1950s um when the mayor was a socialist a man that i i actually knew frank zeidler um and you know not only was there was there a strong labor movement but there was actually a, a, a public sector labor movement before anywhere else in the, in the rest of the country had started letting, you know, uh, government workers, teachers, you know, sanitation workers have a union. They had it in, in Milwaukee, you know, uh, 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 and, and, you know, also I think it's kind of significant and, and, and ironic that, that the TV series Happy Days was set in 1950s Milwaukee. So, you know, Happy Days. And yet it's also where where the roots – of the the the, the conservative uh, counter assault were started, and and it was it was it was immediate, you know, in terms of in terms of um, you know, 
uh, 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 breaking unions that went on strike. There were local employers that were doing that back then in in, in Milwaukee. Uh, in terms of of challenging union rights in the courts um, and, and trying to, to to hamper them in, and certainly in terms of you know putting up uh, bulletin boards and things like that, talking about you know uh, campaign rhetoric, talking about you know uh, union labor monopoly and 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 you know the, the, the union bosses and. So, so it was, it was it was present even then. It, it, it's a it's a through line throughout American history, right? And you know, it comes from the wealthy. I mean, you know, the 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 one percent or, or their historical equivalents. They don't want unions because of of the threat that unions pose to them having all the money and all the power. Um, that said, to the average person, unions are 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 actually much more uh, popular uh, and enjoy much more popular support, I think, than they're given credit. Um, Richard Freeman does this sort of research uh, regularly. Every five years or so, he puts out a new uh, uh, report sort of collecting a bunch of surveys that have been done um, over uh, public attitudes about um, workplace organization, about employers, about unions. And and uh, unions enjoy a, a lot of support. You know, uh, uh, one in three workers would vote for a union tomorrow. Ninety percent of existing union members, if, if they had to vote again to keep their union, Ninety percent say they would vote to, to support their union, um, and 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 in general, you know, it's it's a majority of people who think that that, that unions are are a, 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 a good um, a good thing for society. Um, so so you know, um, people want there to be unions, um, and then you know, but but. One in three people are not going to have a union election tomorrow, you know, an election to decide if they're going to have a union. And, and that has a lot more to do with, with the law and with the, the fierceness of employer resistance than anything else. Hearing you say this makes me think that most people probably believe that this whole right to work thing is a load of bullshit because it's only propagated by people who have no interest in bettering labor or wages like Paul Ryan. <laughs> He's a big proponent of, of, uh, right to right to work. Right. Yeah. Well, sure. Look, look, and, and, and look, I, I, this is worth pointing out actually, because when it comes to the laws that are, that are going to be proposed and pushed about labor and the executive orders and whatever the, the Trump does to labor, there's nothing unique about it to him, right? It's, it's not. It's a lot of what's going. A lot of a lot of you know what what the Trump administration is about and what they're doing is unique. But the the anti labor agenda is that's just bog standard for the Republican Party. Uh, so a, a, a national right to work bill was going to be pushed if Mitt Romney had been president, if Jeb Bush got the, the nomination and somehow won, it was always going to happen because the Republicans are hell-bent on, on, on breaking the unions. Now, the God's honest truth about right to work, and this is, this is a problem, I think, um, and, and I think why you wind up uh, – uh, um, the, the truth is it doesn't poll well. And it doesn't poll well because it is one part of a complicated collective bargaining uh, legal framework um, that that it goes hand in hand with uh, the fact that unions are um, they, they, they are, are certified by the federal government and then given the obligation to represent all the workers in in that bargaining unit. Um, which is not how unions always were in this country. There used to be multiple unions that would compete against each other in terms of who could beat up on the boss more. Um, and employers didn't like that. So one union for the work site, um, you know, a, 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 a collective bargaining agreement that not only sets out sort of the pay and the benefits, but also sets out a, 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 a dispute resolution process that leads towards, you know, mediation and arbitration rather than, than strikes. And in fact, during in the terms of that contract, um, you know, uh, there there is a there is a no strike clause and a and a management's rights agree, uh, clause that lets management anything that isn't explicitly said in the contract the, the the employer can do. That is the overall framework. 
that that our labor law in America is is designed to sort of be you know this, this sort of form of industrial democracy, and that the agency fee, uh, the, the 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 union shop, the idea that well since the union must represent everybody in order to achieve this kind of workplace peace and this kind of workplace democracy, then then the union should be able to collect a fee from everybody. Otherwise, they're you know they're 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 you know. Um, uh, they're being obligated to expend resources um, on behalf of everybody. But more importantly to that, and the reason why this, this goes hand in hand, is um, uh, the, the, the union shop, the agency fee, is actually the, the compensation that the union gets for the political costs of representing everybody. Um, and and of having to um, uh, 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 get more of a consensus among all the workers, uh, if the union could only re- if only represented the people that it wanted, then you'd have you know, and then if there were multiple unions, then you have one union of hotheads that nothing would ever be good enough for them, and they'd always be placing demands on the employer. You would you you would certainly it would be much harder for for a union to agree to you know uh, a, a wage freeze or any sort of concession, a reduction in, in health benefits. Um, because if they did, then people would just drop their membership in, in, in protest, right? So that's that's the historical reason why there is this this um, agency fee union shop. I don't know if I'm getting too wonky here, but it's kind of an important it's an important point that I, I'm trying to drive personally because no, I, okay. I think that. The, the 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 discussion on right to work is 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 murky because right to work polls very well because it it, it 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 sounds good a and b this is the problem with with, with right to work it, it, it it's the equivalent of making you defend Obamacare just on the individual mandate and nothing else right the individual mandate is one of the least popular parts of Obamacare, but, it's a, but it is a crucial part of the overall package. And if you knock it out, then the whole system stops working. Well, the agency fee is like that. You knock out agency fee, and the whole system doesn't really work anymore. And the reason I, I have been sort of banging this drum is because and I'm, 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 a, I'm a labor radical, right? I'm, you're, you're not talking to somebody who's a union president or in any position of responsibility <laughs> in a union at this point. But I think that if if the right wing pushes a national right to work and wins it, I think unions need to seriously consider abandoning abandoning exclusive representation because it, it, that's the part of the collective bargaining that is actually of more value to the employer than it is to the union. It's only of value to the union if if it goes hand in hand with the agency fee. You knock out the agency fee, and that's these guys saying that they they don't want labor peace, and so we should do away with labor peace. Because if you if you if you if you abandon exclusive representation, then those then then the no strike clause goes out the window. It's utterly unenforceable. If 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 unions say we're not going to represent everybody, we're only going to represent the people that choose to be members. But then down the road, they could probably cultivate those people to be members. Um, I think I, 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 we could really go off on a tangent in terms of what I think this would wind up looking like. Um, but, you know, look, the, the no-strike clauses are actually, um, I think, one of the real, real problems for labor. And one of the things that, that makes it hard for the presently existing unions to um, – to to all to to sort of inspire non-union workers to take action. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you two uh, examples here that I'm gonna that, that are a, a pretty neat contrast. Um, so the Rockettes, that was pretty uh, embarrassing, wasn't it? You know. <laughs> I mean, that was humiliating, you know, that, that, that the union leaders had to rush to make a, put out a press release and say, you're under contract, you're, you're not allowed to refuse the work, you could be fired if you do it. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and they have that legal obligation under the terms of their contract, unfortunately. And this is, this is a framework that's been developed, and, and it's very, very hard to get out of because actually it is so ingrained that, that – and, 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 and judges have, have almost shoved this down our throats that even when a union contract doesn't have a no-strike clause, there have been court decisions that assume its existence anyway. 
so the whole thrust of, of mid-century uh, labor law and labor policy was actually to try to stop strikes. You know, like, okay, there can be a strike in order for you to get a union, right? That was okay. There could be a strike when the contract expires because, well, how else are you going to win a, a wage increase? But once the contract is settled, there has to be peace. And so here you had an opportunity where, you know, those dancers didn't want to dance for a confessed sexual predator, right? And for them to actually, for the Rockettes to go on strike, go, you know, go on this political strike would have been like, what, what an example that would have set, right? What an inspiration. Instead, and this is ironic, if, if the Rockettes did not have a union, if they just for whatever reason had never organized a union, and they just, you know, decided that, you know, they, that as individuals, as, 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 a, as, a, as a collection of individuals, I've got your back if you've got mine. None of us are going are gonna to dance for this guy. That would, they'd have more right to do that than, than they do in a contract with a, with a no-strike clause. And that's a real problem. And that is that, – that's this whole system that, that um, exclusive representation and, and the union shop – are all a part of. Now you contrast that with, you know, last night the Taxi Workers Alliance in New York went on strike at JFK. You know, there is there is 10,000 protesters out there eventually, but as people started gathering, the Taxi Workers Alliance put out a message to to their members and they're not an exclusive union. They do not even have a contract. They don't have collective bargaining rights at all. They're not recognized as a as a as a union by the government. Um, but they've got members who are loyal to that organization and that organization said do not pick up any passages at JFK. Do not drop off. We're striking. And, you know, they did. And, uh, you know, I, I, you got to imagine that had a real impact in, in, you know, in both the effectiveness of the action and, you know, uh, these, you know, the, these judge decisions putting a stay on the order started rolling down pretty quickly afterwards because of the chaos that was created, not just by the protesters, but by those taxi drivers as workers withholding their labor and making the system not work. And they had the ability to do that spontaneously at the drop of a hat. No legal repercussions, no no injunctions, you know, that, that's going to fine them, you know, millions of dollars for, for violating their contractual terms. And that is what, what the Rockettes Union would have faced if, if those workers had gone on strike and, and leadership did anything less than rush out there and say, no, you can't do this. They could have been sued by, by Jimmy Dolan for a lot of money. So the whole system is rotten. Unions are trapped by the, these, these rules of the system that have been developed. And, and I think we need to do a lot of thinking about how we break the rules that don't work for us. Um, yeah, because you said earlier about how the government has I, – I, I, it's been a while, so now I'm trying to remember. I jotted it. How, how did the government get a lot of the rights that the unions have? Is that, does, does that make sense? You said that they have – go ahead. Yeah, so um, uh, most labor law, um, at least for, for most private sector workers, it, it comes from uh, the National Labor Relations Act, which was passed in 1935. So it's a New Deal uh, 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 initiative. Um, and it was the first, well, the second time, not to go off on too much, railroad workers had something a couple of years before this, but not very long before it. Um, but the idea of the government having any kind of a role in um, union employer relations um, was was um, was just not a thing. If, if anything, um, government through the courts were incredibly hostile to workers having a union, um, and and sort of the role of, of of the government was largely employers would go to court and say, you know, this union is interfering with my business. You need to, you know, put give it an injunction so the leaders can be arrested and and you know the workers can be fined if they don't get back to work. That was labor relations before 1935. And there would there would be massive strikes. There were violent conflicts. There were bloody conflicts. Um, unions won occasionally. Frequently, a win was short-lived. Uh, rarely was a win sort of jotted down in writing in a contract that would that would last for a while. There was very few unions that 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 had you know uh, contracts that endured uh, before 1935. So in 1935. The government uh, uh, steps in, and basically what the National Labor Relations Act says initially is um, workers have a right to organize. 
They have a right to engage in concerted activity. They have a right to go on strike. We're not going to interfere in, in, in them going on strike. Um, and um, empl employers cannot interfere with those rights. Employers cannot discriminate against them. Um, and an employer must bargain with a union in good faith if, if, if the workers want a union. Um, and that was pretty groundbreaking. That was the, you know, so basically the, 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 the law was designed to, if, if, if a union presents itself and says, hey, we, we've got these members here, we're a union, bargain with us, and, and an employer refused or, you know, fired anybody or, you know, uh, 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 shut down production, you know, uh, 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 or, or subcontracted out uh, 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 production in order to, you know, put those workers who, who had the temerity to want a union out of work. If they did that, then the government would step in and would take them to court to, to enjoin them from doing it. And... <laughs> Because employer resistance to unions is so strong in this country, it really wasn't until the government stepped in to restrain employer uh, 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 anti-union actions that unions were able to, 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 to grow um, and to have a, a, a lasting uh, uh, existence. So the National Labor Relations Act is this really positive thing, but what, ha what happened to it Subtly at first, and then you know, pretty pretty dramatically and obviously, is is that the the reins started getting tightened, and and the law started getting changed from something that that merely protected workers and unions and and, and restrained employers into something that also restrained workers and unions, and and started creating rules that that unions couldn't uh, 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 violate. And, you know, this was done by the, the judges first, the courts. The courts had some really terrible decisions really early on, um, literally two years after the, the, the act is created. Um, the Supreme Court basically took away the right to strike in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that nobody noticed until sort of the, the, the anti-union assault of the 1980s when, you know, employers sort of blew the dust off this thing and they're like, oh, look, we have the right to permanently replace uh, 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 people who go on strike. Let's dare unions to go out on strike and let's recruit a bunch of strike breakers because the economy is not that great. And, you know, even if, even if we offer $5 less than what we're paying, you know, the workers that went on strike, there's plenty of workers that will take that job. And, you know, uh, and, then, and then the new workers have the jobs and then they could vote the union out and then we're done with this. And that was that was the, the playbook. And, but it, it comes from a, a Supreme Court decision two years after the act gets created. You know, the Supreme Court also ruled that, you know, um, if, if a worker engages in a sit down strike, well, that is illegally taking the employer's property. Therefore, um, uh, that should not be protected. So that's why you don't see sit-down strikes any, anymore for the most part, is that the, the, the Supreme Court rushed to make that particular kind of strike illegal. And they rushed to say that, that you know, um, uh, that, 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 a, that a worker on strike could be permanently replaced. And then, you know, the, the Congress amended the, the act in 1947 uh, in a couple of uh, uh, bad ways. And most people focus on the fact that the, that, that, that act, it's also sometimes referred to as the Taft-Hartley Act, that's an amendment to the National Labor Relations Act, that that created right to work. That it created this framework where a state could outlaw the union shop. And, like that, and that, that's the worst thing that that law did. Uh, and it's a bad thing that that law did. But it's not the worst thing that that law did. The worst thing that that law did is that it um, it made it it made it illegal for for unions to um, engage in solidarity activism, a lot of forms of solidarity activism, particularly um, uh, secondary boycotts, um, which is the idea that you know if one group of workers is is on strike, that a group of workers at at you know an unrelated uh, uh, employer, but one that uh, that has significant business dealings with them, can't also go on strike in solidarity. And that's where our power comes from, right? Solidarity is where our power comes from. Right. You know, so, so think like, like supermarket workers um, can't refuse to stock the shelves with Driscoll's raspberries, which are um, on a boycott list right now because uh, some of their workers are on strike. Um, now, if they could, that Driscoll strike would be over, wouldn't it? I mean, you know, like your product couldn't get on the shelves of supermarkets. So that's where our power comes from, and it's totally, totally, totally illegal. I mean, it's illegal not just like on paper, like, no, you can't do this. It's 
we, we, the government, will take you to court and, and sue you for damages. We will enjoin you, so, you know, and, 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 you'll, and, and the damages are like triple damages. So, like, whatever, whatever your action costs the employer, you pay three times as much. It would bankrupt any union that does it, and so unions don't do it, even though, like, that's a pathway towards, you know, union growth. You know, a group of workers who, who, who you know, who, who, who want a union and their employer is resisting, there, there are some other group of workers. There is some presently existing union. For any group of workers that might want to organize, there is some union, some group of workers who, who, who represent workers at, at, at an employer that does that does business dealings with them you know that 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 has that that would have the ability to apply some leverage put some real pressure on the employer that is engaging in union busting That's, so of course it's illegal yes uh to to wrap it up uh i was just um what are things we should be looking out for in this near future with donald trump and what can we do to prevent it? Uh, uh, what can we do to prevent a, it? Is that too big of a question or to, a topic? I mean, the, the the thing to watch out for, uh, the really dangerous thing here, and this is this is this is the unique danger that he poses to labor, is that he um, he, he he can divide and conquer. You know, like he's he's already invited a lot of union leaders into the into the, the White House to meet with them. He is sort of he's playing on their 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 feeling of of um, hurt, pride, and abandonment by previous Democratic administrations. He's you know he 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 he's talking about infrastructure and new jobs and this and that. And so, what should be a united opposition isn't. Um, and he's playing them quite plainly um, because, you know, whatever kinds of it, 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 it job creation he wants to do is going to be done on frequently, A, a non-union basis, or is going to be done, he wants to do it without the protections of prevailing wage and, and other ways that, that federal dollars that flow to contractors usually lead to, if not the workers having a union, then certainly them being paid essentially the union wage scale. He, doesn't, he wants to do away with that. So, you know, they're meeting with them for jobs, and the jobs aren't going to be as good. Um, and then, of course, also, the jobs that he wants to create can be horribly destructive to the environment as in the Dakota Access uh, pipeline, um, or ha horribly damaging to human rights, as in that fucking wall. Yeah, yeah it's... Uh... Which, might, which, you know, might, might get built with union labor. Hooray. <laughs> so, I mean, how, how are we on guard against it? I'm not, you know, I, 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 I don't know how to prevent, you know, international union presidents from taking a meeting with, with Donald Trump. I don't particularly care if they do. What I'm more interested in is getting uh, 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 workers, workers who have a union and, and are maybe local leaders or shop stewards or, and, and workers who don't have a union to be thinking about their power and how to exercise it and, and, and how to protest the whole rotten, stinking system. Great. Is there anything uh, that you need to plug? Uh, your Twitter handle, and I know you write a lot of uh, various articles for different publications. Yeah. Uh, God, In these uh, times you know, is uh, one you write. Do, do, I, do I need... <laughs> I do. Am I gonna say? Am I gonna say my Twitter handle out loud? It's like this stupid hipster joke that you know. It's fine. It's it's fine to have in writing, but then to actually have to say it. <laughs> it's, it's S dog, isn't it? It's S dog. Yeah, with uh, E S S underscore D O G. It's a uh, it's a uh, uh, Stephen Malkmus that's, reference. That was uh, actually that's a great Twitter handle because that's the first thing I thought of when I saw it. And I was like, is he referencing <laughs> off of Steve uh, off of his uh, Malkmus's first solo album? If, to be specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, well, that uh, makes me uh, like you all the more, goddammit. <laughs> it was, um, you know, I, start, I started on Twitter when I did have a position of responsibility at a union. <laughs> and, you know, that, 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 that whole, like, disclaimer, tweets do not equal an endorsement. I just, I hate that. I didn't want to do it. So I was just like... S dog, come at me. Yeah, try try to pretend that's like an official tweet from the union. You know, <laughs> raise hell about what the S dog is tweeting. <laughs> um, 
Well, thank you very much, Sean, for your time. This has been incredibly, uh, it's been great. All right. Well, good. I, I, I hope I didn't get into the weeds there, but I'm, I, I, I've been in the weeds for the last year or so. so. <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of Conversations with Matt Dwyer. Uh, please email me at conversationswithdwyer at gmail if you have any guest suggestions or questions or want to say hey great job i'd really appreciate that uh that often means more than anything uh follow me on twitter matt underscore dwyer at twitter.com or go to my website themattdwyer.com and uh all my bullshit's up there thank you feral audio support live podcasting i wish i could podcast for a living um but i can't right now working towards it um as my favorite guest, Pete O'Neill, Black Panther, said, power to the people, all of the people. He tells his funny jokes, oh yeah. He tells his funny jokes to all the people. And all the people love to listen to. Feral Audio. I can't believe how cold it is. It's so cold in here. Are you fucking serious? Don't you fucking talk to me. I'm so mad. I can't say as a branch of the United States government, it is the mission of the National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.